Everybody want to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zacchaeus. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty, the podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in overstepping poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks, and I'm here with my co-host, Zakia Shaw. How are you doing, Zakias? I'm doing good today, brother. How are hey, you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing very, very well. Yeah. Uh, it's been hot out. It it's has. been very, very hot, so I've been able to enjoy the weather. Uh, I've been doing a lot of golfing. My wife and I, we started taking golf lessons and whatnot. So the first time she actually got out there, she actually almost beat me. And it's not saying that I'm bad, what? but she's talented. She's that good. Okay. And that's that's what I'm going to keep telling people. At yeah. least. <laughs> right. So, uh, yep. so when, <laughs> seriously, I mean, we got to like the sixth, seventh hole and she's down like one stroke. And I'm just like, all right, I think we should find you a different sport. Right. This is my sport. I don't want to, I don't want to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out uh, to Megan. Yes. No, that's awesome, man. I, I love getting out there, you know, golfing with you guys. I'm really not that good, but people need to get out there because golf is a game of life. Yeah, it is. And I've never had, you know, some consistent play, mm-hmm. but life, you're going to have to have some consistency. So I love it today. We have a special guest on here who could teach us something about consistency, I think. So Absolutely. Why don't you bring him in and Let's go. Him. We have one of my best friends here, Jordan Tarlson. He has come from actually the prison system. That's where he actually worked for quite a long time, <laughs> six years actually yeah. um, on that. He is a very faith-driven, family-driven man, and just kind of getting into exactly why we have him here today yeah. is Cause he's actually more involved into the community than anyone thinks, you know, he's meeting tons of people in the business that he owns, right. uh, that he started from the ground up and he actually took that business. He was, you know, like I said, in the prison system for six years and he did something that most of us would never do. And that's leave that comfort zone to build something of their own. Right. And he's done a great job at that, you know, now, and now he owns that Sioux Falls window cleaning. So let's go. Jordan Tarlson. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Well, geez, thank you. I appreciate that. I've listened to every episode so far, and I feel like everyone has everyone has like a journey, and I'm like, dude, I'm just your average guy. So no. yeah, I feel like I appreciate that. That yeah. makes me feel good. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on as yeah. well. I was excited when Quan mentioned you were going to come on because I know you had some hesitation. You weren't quite sure just with never being on camera and stuff yeah. like that before. Yeah. No, so I'm nervous. I'm, I'm, a big fan <laughs> I'm a big fan of you guys. I appreciate, appreciate you coming it. on, man. Yes. I, I think just getting into it and Quan gave us a great introduction to you, but can you give us a rundown kind of where you're from, what it was like growing up with your family and kind of how you got to where we are at today? Yeah. So, uh, I grew up here in Sioux Falls, or actually I heard last week you went to Laura Wilder. That's where I started, yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember if we went to elementary, but for sure we went to Memorial together, Yep. and then Roosevelt. After uh, high school, I went to Iowa, to Dort College, Okay. where I studied for psychology and criminal justice. I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I mm-hmm. kind of thought maybe I'll be a cop someday. But I really wasn't sure, so I just figured I'll take the first couple of years and see how it goes. And mm-hmm. but mostly I was focused on golf because I played golf for Dort. Okay, so go Defenders. <laughs> and is that, uh, where is that at? Where's Dort? It's Sioux Center, so it's like an hour away. Sioux Center, so Iowa, pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, we're not the best at sports. I got <laughs> so it's not like a huge, it's not like a huge deal. I mean, I shot anywhere from seventies, eighties, nineties. So yeah. yeah. That's awesome, um, though. I do got to add, my wife, Alex, I took her out for 
her first round ever, and she shot a 61 on nine holes. What? So she she's a natural. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'll definitely have to be taking her out more. <laughs> I think your, maybe she's your partner. Yeah, I think maybe, maybe we'll have to do a little exactly yep. little couples duel or something. Yep, I'm in for that. Absolutely, that'd right. be fun. You kind of mentioned growing up, and we might have actually went to the same elementary school because I actually went to three elementary schools. I went to Laurel Wilder. I went to JFK, Kay. and I went went See, to I th- Oscar Howe. You did, yeah. I went to JFK. Yep. So yep. I kind of thought that I knew you from there too. But yep. So what grades were you? Honestly, I couldn't even tell you because I bounced around so much there. I was I was a bad kid. You know, I was. <laughs> there was there were times where the teachers were just like, "All right, I just I just don't think he can be here anymore." And yeah, if it wow. wasn't the teachers, it was my parents. Yeah. You know, who pulled me out as well. So I was a good um, kid, and then Taylor, mm-hmm. our buddy Taylor, he got me in trouble. <laughs> Got the black book and had to sit on yep. the bench a whole bunch, but I love it. So yeah, this was middle school. That was elementary. Elementary, elementary school. Yeah. Okay. We started while we were young, getting right. in trouble. Of course you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a pretty good kid. <laughs> so, do you have siblings? <laughs> what was it like growing up with your family? Yeah. So I have a uh, I have an older brother, two years older than me, and then a sister. She's three or four years younger than me. Okay. Really close knit family. I mean, super blessed. My parents have been married for. 33 years or something that's awesome four years so we owe it like daquan said faith has always been number one for me and kind of drives everything that i do it's like if i have a decision to make i'll I'll pray about it and just ask for wisdom so that's always been number one i like that why don't you tell us just a little bit about kind of growing up into a family that is faith first uh there's a lot of families that try and get their kids into church and follow follow God and whatnot. I mean, my family did it as well. And there was a time in my life where I just felt like I was forced into it. So I didn't well, want to good. do it, that's you true. know? So I want to know like, how, how was it for you? Yeah, that's true. Cause I mean, we were the family that church on Sunday, church on Wednesday nights mm. every week. So I'm going to church twice a week. And mm. you know, there were times where it's, you know, it's like, God, I don't want to, I don't want to go to church. At all. Mm. I had a lot of friends that were in the youth group with me. So it was more like hanging out. So I never really felt never really felt too forced. It was always really fun getting involved with the youth. They make it they make it fun. When you go to church sometimes it's boring. Right. So yeah. when you actually hang out with the youth, it's it's a lot different. So that helped me a lot. Just being mm-hmm. with the younger people. Find some just, commonality yeah. amongst each other yeah. and whatnot. I don't know much on your brother and your sister. <clears throat> how they can are they very faith driven still as yeah. well? Okay. Yeah. They're both married and my brother has a daughter. And I've been really blessed to just be surrounded by people that are very involved in their faith and supportive yeah. and we can pray for each other. So, yeah. yeah. I love that. What has that done for you? Because I know one of my roommates I actually had all four years of college, he's very faith driven as well. For him, I know going to school, going to college, it was hard for him to be as present, I guess, with going to church every Sunday and those types yeah. of things. Did you ever have a time where you felt yourself getting away from your faith and had to reel it back in? Or, you know, have you ever had any of those type of struggles? So I guess the closest thing I can think of is when you, like, for instance, I would, I would go off to church camp in the summer and you get on fire for God and you come back and it's like, all right, now I got to go to work. I got to go to school. And I'm not feeling it. Like, I'm not happy if I do start maybe getting away from my faith or I start relying on myself something will happen and I'll be like, all right, God, thank you. I needed that just to kind of get me back on track. And also when things are going really well too, something will happen and it's like, all right, well, I'm starting again. I'm starting to think that I'm giving myself credit for that. Right. It's a lot about not relying just solely on yourself. It's bigger than us is really kind of. Yeah. One thing that's really huge, just being surrounded by, by people of faith is, Sometimes we don't know how we can help people. Mm. So just just being having someone around you that can even say, hey, I'm praying for you. Like they may not know what you're going through or mm. or how to help you, but even something as small as, hey, I'm praying for you, it shows that they care and it shows, you know, that maybe they can't help you, but God can help you. Right. So, so that's like that. it's just like a peace of mind. Yeah. Right. That's it's really powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's fast forward here. You said you went to Dort College there and that's actually where you met your wife, right? Yep. 
why don't you tell me about that experience and yeah i was a com- complete nerd in in high school i played way too many video games <laughs> and never talked to girls i mean kind of had like little flings here and there mm-hmm. but never and never anything serious and right so i went to college thinking all right i'm gonna i'm gonna play golf i'm gonna try to take college seriously Mm-hmm. And then, no joke, the first day of college, I met my wife. <laughs> wow. And, you know, we were friends. She actually had a boyfriend at the time. So I didn't think anything of it. But after, you know, a few weeks or whatever, we became really close friends. And we started dating that fall. And and then we got married after our sophomore year. So okay. during college. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this this summer will be nine years. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. It's, it's Shout crazy. out to you and Alex. Yeah. I love that. So, uh. Once I got married, I started taking school very seriously. It's like, all right, now I got to actually figure out what I want to do. I was still pretty interested in maybe being a police officer. I wanted Mm -hmm. to come back to Sioux Falls. That was kind of my goal at the time. My grades went from like maybe a a 2.5 GPA my first two years and then get married and all of a sudden I have like a 3.6, (laughs) 3.7. So she she really, she helped me a lot. Motivation. Yep. Priorities, like you said. Once we graduated, came back to Sioux Falls, she got a job at DocuTap, which is now Xperity. And I got a job at the prison right away, uh, kind of as a backup plan until I could get hired on it at Sioux Falls PD. Well, I I didn't get on at Sioux Falls PD, and I was like, what the heck? Like, my plan, this is, like, it's all falling through. Like, I was... What happened? They didn't want... They didn't want to hire me, and mm-hmm. I was like, "What's wrong with me?" You know, like, right. mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, it's like a just a reality check. I, so, um, what I did was, I was like, "All right, I'm going to try to make the best of the prison." I I have a degree in psychology, so I can. Uh, they have a mental health program there. There's obviously a lot of mental health issues at the prison. Right. I was thinking maybe I can transition into a role there. It's a weird concept because I was like miserable at the prison, mm-hmm. but I like was comfortable at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know if I kept lying to myself like, yeah, I'm going to get into this program or and then mm-hmm. but the reality of it was a safe job or not safe. I mean, obviously it's dangerous, right. but like good benefits. Right. And I know what to expect. I had a I had a pretty good position there, so it didn't pay worth crap, you know, and the right. pay has gotten better there. So I don't know why I stayed so long. It's really confusing, but I would come home every day and just, I would complain to my wife at supper. Like our entire supper would be me just venting about work. Right. And so that's when she, she's like, all right, we got to do something. We got to, we got to figure out what kind of education you're going to get, what kind of job you want. Else we just got to start a business. Yep. So we started going through ideas like, all right, do I want to do lawn care? Something easy to start up. Mm-hmm. Right, and she met with a friend, and my wife was like, "Let's maybe try window cleaning." I was like, "Window cleaners, like, I mean, that's like, I felt like that's low level. Like, I don't, I went to college, I'm not a window cleaner, right? You know, I, I like, and that's just that's uh, very judgmental, but that's how I felt, and right. so I was like, I, I can't do that, and she was like, "No, you're not gonna stay at the prison. You got to try something." Yeah, so. I started cleaning some windows, and I was like, hey, this is actually really satisfying. I love, I love like, going from dirty to super clean, and right. it made people so happy. I started cleaning windows for some family and just practicing on and it. Like, the difference it made and how happy it made people. And then it's like, okay, well, I can make this much doing this. Yep. And then all of a sudden, just, like, I started getting customers. Like, people, like, just a family member would – Hey, my cousin also wants you to clean their one. And like it just Dang. it just exploded. By the way, I gotta give a shout out to Daquan. Dude, <laughs> Daquan has probably got me like not only direct referrals, but like referrals from referrals. It's insane how it just trees out and it's like Man. probably 30, 40 customers. That. So I really appreciate you, Daquan. Absolutely. That's awesome, yeah. Man. No, I it's insane how how it just starts spreading. Right. So yeah. So after, after probably a year and a half, which is right when I had my son too. Okay. After a year, when you year, started the business, is when you were first having having your child. No, so sorry. Let me backtrack a little bit. I started doing this while I was still at the prison. 
Okay. So I did this for a year and a half while I was still there. Wow. And then my son was born, and then that's when I finally had enough clientele to to make it full time. Right. So my son was born. I left the prison, and then I've been I've been doing this uh, like a year and a year and a half or so, just full time. Well, your I LLC says May twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. So yeah, over two so this, years. This is yep. my third. This is my third summer. So it always feels like. It feels like three years. So yeah, oh, I just got over you. Over two years. I got yeah. you. No, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I love that. I was like in the prison. I was not focused on the prison at all. I'll be honest. I like brought a squeegee into the prison. <laughs> I was cleaning windows and would like squeegee the windows and wow. Like, yeah, I was practicing it. So yeah, but that's crazy. That. Yeah. What was, was it that finally like? I know you and your wife were talking, but was there like an aha moment where you? change your mind on because obviously you change your mind on becoming a window cleaner yeah like what was that that for you where you were finally like okay you kind of put your pride essentially to the side and we're like no yeah. this is something that could actually feed my family yeah i mean i think it was when i started getting those secondary referrals mm -hmm. and it's like people i'm not even doing the advertising it's literally just my customers right doing word them out it's like yep. Okay, so, you know, thinking about if I can get this many customers a week, that can replace my, my prison, yeah, you know, my prison pay. So I was like, okay, that's like not nearly the amount of time that I'm spending at the prison. And plus the prison's holding me back. I couldn't grow my business any further. Right. While still being full-time at the pen. Mm. So that was, it was like, all right, I just got to take a leap of faith. It isn't always what I thought it was going to be. I yeah. thought it was going to be just smooth sailing. Like, she's already got this many customers. Well, then all of a sudden you hit dry seasons. And, mm, and yeah. like, there was a point last summer where I was paying a nanny to watch my son. And I was going out passing out door hangers. I was in this neighborhood. Yeah. Like, I had no work in sight. Not even a job down the road. And... Wow. I was going, and I'm not a salesman. I was going door to door, wow. passing out door hangers, and just like that's it. That's those are the trenches, and like I have like PTSD from from those moments. Really, like, it's crazy. Like yeah. were people <clears throat> open to conversating with you? I mean, I was doing it during the day, so not a lot of people were home. But yeah. the people that I did talk to, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to be super salesy, mm -hmm. so I just kind of like, hey. Here's a door hanger. Um, you know, here's a price for you if you want it. You can talk about it with your family. And then, so, like, because I didn't, I didn't want to come off super salesman because I hate salesmen. Right. Like, when someone comes to my door, I'm, I, I don't answer the door. Right. I can't, yeah. I can't stand it. So I figured, like, I don't want to be that guy to them. So yeah. I kind of want to just make a quick comment, you know, on, because, you said you went to school for psychology and criminal justice and you had a full plan in sight, you know, and of course that plan just blew up. I don't know if you heard in one of my other previous episodes, you know, I had the same kind of plan itself for my, yeah. for when I got out of you school, were psychology, right? I, yeah, I was psychology and criminal justice, double major. And I wanted to be in law, but what I wanted to do was become a lawyer. And then all of a sudden that wasn't in the plans for me. Then I went into more of like, the mental health field and whatnot. And that wasn't it for me. Yeah. And so then I, I finally, I got comfortable and I was in this job. I was working at NAU, um, as a kind of an academic advisor, but you know, kind of, I just, I oversaw all academics and at that company here in Sioux Falls and I was so comfortable. And then all of a sudden I got fired from there, mm -hmm. just let go. And they went through a full reorganization and they just let a bunch of people go. Yeah. And then it turned me into what I'm doing now. And I love what I'm doing now, yeah. you know, and it sounds like that was the exact same thing. And and for our listeners who are hearing your story and then all of a sudden hear other people's story on that, yeah. like it, that's huge because it's so easy just to want to give up and just be yeah. like, ah, oh, this sucks. Like, are you kidding mm -hmm. me? Like the Sioux Falls PD didn't let me in. Yeah. That, I'm a failure. No, it's because there's something other in store yeah. for you, yeah, was, but you have to continue that path, you know? Yeah. And, and so with that, I would say, like, I went to college. I don't yeah. want like anyone can be a window cleaner, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, and I'm saying that because I'm a window cleaner, you know, and, yeah. that, and it's OK. Yep. I would say just don't don't shut things out. Yep. Know? Right. Yep. And you can make the best of anything. I mean, obviously, I would I would recommend 
owning the business. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to do it, I mean, be the boss. Yep. I mean, you could get get some practice. You could work under someone for a while, but don't don't get comfortable and like you got to realize that you can be the boss and mm-hmm. you know, you just got to learn the trade and Right. Yeah. Speaking of that, I kind of want like with how you got your business set up and it it was piece by piece, you know, over time, obviously as you build your clientele. For somebody that's out there right now that's listening, that's wanting to start a business, like you at the time, it was something that was, uh, you were focused on something that was pretty cost efficient when it comes to starting up a business. What uh, steps or advice could you give somebody that's kind of in those same shoes that you once were? I feel like we're just lucky now because we have the internet. And I started in all my free time, I would just... I would watch YouTube videos. I've watched seriously thousands of YouTube videos on window cleaning, like anything you want to know about anything. You can right. just just look it up. And so I started watching, you know, the business part of window cleaning to the techniques to the, you know, how to get customer customers advertising, right? Um, what you should be charging. There's a million different things that pop up in your head at all times. And, right. Mm-hmm. And so whatever it is, just just research and look into successful people's stories. Like, mm. I mean, obviously you guys you guys have people on here every week that you see what they come from, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're successful. And it's like, it doesn't matter where you're at, just a little bit of hard work, and uh, I mean, you got to dedicate yourself and you got to educate yourself, right? Yep. So just just be dedicated to it, and it can happen. You just yep. got to be really persistent too. You do. And consistent. Yeah. Like if you're not, it's yeah. really hard to follow through with things when you're yeah. not. Oh, yeah, and you're going to fail too. I mean, right? fail over and over again. I mean, I failed not only like cleaning windows, like just at the beginning, okay, I had to go back and like fix something. And it's like that, that's a pride check. Right. But it makes me that much more careful. So like the next time I do a job, it's like, all right, I'm not... I'm not making any mistakes. And right. So now I feel like, okay, I'm a professional. Right. Yep. I like that a lot. Yeah. Just learn from your mistakes and keep going. I love it. Yeah. So you own Sioux Falls Window Cleaning. So now there's one thing that I've noticed for the each of us, and especially me, it's trying to balance that work life and your family life. You know, um, obviously you have a kid as well and obviously uh, a wife. So I want to know exactly how is it that you're balancing Jeez. both both of those dude i don't know <laughs> i honestly don't know like i'm like today so hot outside working outside right now with in a physical job you wouldn't think window cleaning is physical but you're moving around ladders just it is very tiring so then i get mm-hmm. home my son all he wants to do is run around outside mm-hmm. my wife works from home so all she wants to do is go outside and get yep. fresh air yeah right. so at that at that point i have to make a decision do I just sit on the couch and relax like I want to, mm-hmm. or do I go outside? I'm not always perfect about it, but yeah. you know, you got to make that decision. And I, I want to spend time with my son because he goes to bed at you know six forty five, seven o'clock. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I get like half an hour of free time with him. Mm-hmm. So and then somehow you just have the energy for it. Yep. Right. Like yep. I see all like a lot of your guests on the podcast. They say. It doesn't feel like work. Like you can put in 80, 90, 100 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And then back when I was at the prison, it's like 40 hours. It's exhausting. I'm right. dead. Yep. And I'm yep. still physically tired, but somehow I have the energy to do it. Yeah. So I like yeah. that. It's the mindset too, I'm sure. I kind of want to go back to just touch on with you spending as much time as you did at the prison. Obviously, like you mentioned, that's a place where there is a, a big need with mental health. Is there anything as you look back from your perspective that could be implemented to make it a better place when it comes to mental health? I know it's prison, but at the same time, it should be, you know, focused on rehabilitating. So it's really tough because you have so many different just levels of mental health issues. Like there are obviously some some inmates that are, it almost feels like they shouldn't be in prison. Right. Like they need to be in a psych hospital. Sure. And there's no way that they could have understood what they did to get Mm -hmm. there. And then you have people that 
manipulate the system. They they can get away with passing by his mental health. Right. But you know that all of a sudden you see him talking to their friend and they're kind of normal. Right. So it's like, it's just, we have to implement these rules there and policies that kind of make it fair for everyone, but it you know it's not catered to each to each right. individual person. I don't know how you do it. That's a huge process. I'm <laughs> kind of glad that I don't have to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. But something needs to change there. I mean, not just not just with inmates, but with staff also. Mm. I mean, I'm a pretty soft-spoken, nice guy. I'm not I'm not going to walk into a cell hall and yell at all the inmates, you know, like that's mm-hmm. not me. There are officers that do that though. Right. Mm-hmm. And everyone has their own style, but they're definitely there's a lot of abuse of power there. Mm. Like if you try to help an inmate, like I was the nice, I was known as the nice officer. Like Hieron- mm. Taylor Hieronymus will make fun of me for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because like I, someone needs something pretty basic, I'm going to help them. I'm going to help mm. them get that. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you get made fun of. Mm. So by it's your, almost By like your coworkers. By your coworkers. Mm. So I don't want to talk bad about the prison. That's right. not the goal of this. No. Because that job... A job is so tough, and you need people that are going to, like, have authority. Right. And you need to do that to, you know, set the precedent that, hey, we're in charge. Right. So you need all that, but at the same time, a lot of inmates can't get the help that they need. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's really tough. I don't know how to make it better. Yeah, it's a big task. That's for sure. I just, you know, with you mentioning that mental health was something that you had maybe thought about. I wasn't sure if there was an avenue that you had thought where. I think over time I got turned away from it, which is kind of why I felt okay with not pursuing the PD because just being in the system and seeing all the negativity, that's just not me. Some people can handle that, and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a happy person. I want to make people happy. Mm -hmm. And it's like these people are going through the worst times in their life. Yeah. So – and then, obviously, when you're a police officer, yeah, you get to interact with the community, but there's it's very heavy, too, and you take a lot home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just felt like I don't think I want to make that sacrifice. A lot of people do, and I right. it's amazing that they do that. When we got out of college, we worked at a residential treatment facility, which is near the prison, and not quite a prison, but it definitely, I mean, the doors were locked, couldn't get into the bathroom if you wanted to unless we come unlock it the bedrooms don't have doors on them they couldn't have hard pencils i mean everything was very institutionalized you know what i mean and for them a lot of it people are affected by the people that they have around them obviously and just having a positive influence there was a lot of people that i felt like we did come in and help and make a difference in their life but it's often that you see as soon as they go back to their family or as soon as they're back into their environment around the people on the pod, it can feel like everything that you've worked with them on kind of just goes out the window, which is really tough. And it, yeah. it's really it's really hard. But you're right. The people that do do it are very important, you know, because somebody does need to be there and, and yeah. helping these people. But it's tough. You do bring a lot home. You do. I mean, at times it became mentally and just physically exhausting. And it's not even... The fact that you were there and you physically didn't see like you were helping people out sometimes because you had spurts that you felt like you were helping someone. And then you had the spurts where it was on the on the down, like it was you're on the low where you're like, gosh, I feel like I did everything to help this person. But the real physical, like exhausting thing was is seeing them go home and then they would lose that structure because not a lot of people know that. But when your real structure that you're finding out is through, it's by the people that you're at every single day. And so noticing that they weren't pouring into them like as much as we were. And like, these weren't even our kids, like seeing that that wasn't happening. And and sometimes it's because they too went through the same thing and they didn't know exactly what that structure was. And so I think like you had mentioned there, um, it's education. We need to educate these individuals as much as we can and the people that they're surround themselves with so then they can become better for themselves, you know? Um, but that's where I see a lot of that lacks in the prison system. I I see it lacks in any mental health, uh, system, residential treatment, uh, system itself there. That's, and that's where it kind of had me move from what I was doing. I lost the love of it because 
I just felt like I wasn't doing enough. And that's tough. That's a, that's a tough thing to bring home, you know? So for sure. I mean, my sister, she's doing it right now. And I talked to her last week. She showed me on FaceTime. She had a big mark on her arm from kids biting her, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's like, you (laughs) never, you really do have to worry when you go into those positions for your life, for your life, for sure. And even, even when you're working with kids. So shout out to those people, give them some grace because it is, it is tough and it, you know, they go through a lot, especially mentally as well. So, you know, we all have different battles that we're dealing with. So, like I said, give some grace on that. So for sure, I want to go through another question with you here. Um, just because I noticed with a lot of business owners over the past couple of years, they have run into many challenges, you know, whether it's COVID, whether it's just like income, not, not, not having enough, not making yeah. enough money. What are some of the biggest challenges that you face so far as a business owner and how have you overcome those? I mean, if you want to talk about economy, I, I do feel like it was a tough time to start a business because when things are tough, you have to focus on what you can afford and window mm-hmm. cleaning is not number one. Yeah. I mean, window right. cleaning is, that's a, like a that, want. Yeah. It's, yep. it's not a need, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be, that's going to be the first thing that you're going to cut out of your budget. Yep. So, I mean like that technically it is something that I worry about and just with going through the years. And I mean, practically though, I'll be honest, my number one thing that kills me is rain. Yeah. Rain. I mean, like, it's just simple, basic. Because, I mean, if it's going to rain on a Wednesday or Thursday, not only does that affect my work for that day, but Monday, Tuesday, people don't want their windows cleaned. Right. <laughs> so oh, I have yeah. cancellations. Yep. I got to reschedule all the time. And if I'm not working, I don't get paid. Yep. Right. It's very stressful. Every mm-hmm. week, I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the radar constantly. Mm. So... It's something that might not be thought about, but just only being paid when you work mm-hmm. is it's a big it's a yep. big thing for me. Yeah. How do you operate during the winter winter or do you operate during the winter? So this last year I actually watched my son full time. Okay. And then in the evenings I would go weld for my uncle. He has a sh- welding shop in T. Okay. That was a crazy crazy season. I was more exhausted watching my son than I am window cleaning. Wow. So shout out to stay at home parents. <laughs> right. It's it's insane. I don't know how I have one kid. Yeah. And I was <laughs> I was exhausted. So I believe it. For the future, my wife and I are looking into adding services. So mm. like uh snow removal, maybe Christmas lights. Yeah. So just checking out different options. She's gonna try to add services to our business. So right. we added gutter cleaning, so that kinda helps us in the fall, stay busy in the spring. So yeah, just kind of adding some services that I can add to the business. Right. Yeah. Keep you active with it. I like it. So my next question for you, Jordan, is every single person that we have on here, we ask them one main question. I mean, you're on overstepping poverty, you know, and I want to know exactly when you hear that overstepping poverty, what does that mean to you? Yeah, so I feel like poverty, the definition is going to be so different for everybody. Some people it is literally financially poverty and for a lot of people, it's going to be just a mindset, you know. Mm. I know you know this about me. I am very cheap with my money, and it's, I know it's frustrating to be friends with a cheap person. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you still owe me $1.87, you know. It's like, <laughs> I yeah, need that. <laughs> it's like counting every penny, you know. So that right there drives me mm-hmm. to get to a point where I don't have a mindset of like, all right, it's not like I need to be rich or anything, yep. but I don't want to be imprisoned by thinking about money all the time. Mm-hmm. My wife my wife yells at me about this because mm-hmm. she's like, we are doing completely fine, mm-hmm. you know, and like there's nothing to worry about. And so anyways, overstepping poverty for me would be I want to get to the end of my life. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, obviously you want to pass down money to your to your kids. And mm-hmm. That's a goal of mine. Um, but the main thing is, is just to to be able to uphold your values, uphold relationships, mm. and not have to worry about the finances. Uh, okay, right. And just doing whatever you need to do to get there. You can have two, three million in the bank, but all of a sudden you want to take your kids on a trip, and 
when you get there, you're not going to have anything in common with your grandkids, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't spend time with them. Right. So, and they view that as like, all right, he's just trying to buy our affection with taking us on a trip. Mm-hmm. Like, I would rather have, I would like to do that too, obviously. Yeah. But being able to actually have a relationship and still not have to be worried about money all the time, that's, yep. yeah. I mean, that's it for me. I like that. I, I like do that. as well. I have to ask, with you being cheap. Yeah. Where does that come from? It comes from the Tarleson family, like my dad's side of the family, for sure. Yeah. So if anyone watches, it's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Tarleson, you're, it's just, if you're at a buffet, I mean, you see things like pouring food into into purses. Like, right. Like you're taking advantage of. Where does your stuff. family on the Tarleson side come from? They're Norwegian. Norwegian. So, okay. but all the Tarlsons, like my dad has six siblings, so there's seven of them, and they pretty much all live in Fargo, North Dakota. Okay. Yeah. So, I would say the way I grew up, we were focused on money, but it wasn't so much growing your money. It was more just protecting it. Mm. So, instead of finding ways to like, hey, how can we make lot so much money that we don't have to worry about it, it was more like, all right. We do got this little bit of money. Let's just, let's not spend it. Right. Let's find ways to just keep this money. I mean, what's, what's the point of that? Money has no value, really. It's what you do with it. That's yeah, a I bar. Mean, it's, it's been my whole life like that. And I'm really trying to get out of it. And, you know, almost 30 years old, I'm still struggling to get out of it. So yeah. it's just trying to break that habit. You'll get But I think bro. you kind of already started breaking that habit because you invested into yourself to make this business, yeah. you know? You yeah. put a big risk. My wife is pushing me, though. Yeah. I just want you to know. like, she's, That's good. That's what yeah. you need, oh, though. I, need, yep. I needed it. I would say I've struggled with not, like, in faith relationships, but, like, mm-hmm. commitment. Mm-hmm. Like, with starting the business, within the first month, my wife was like, all right, we got to do this, this, this. We had a website, you know, got the LLC, made a logo. Like, she, she was pushing this the whole right. time. So... I mean, and those things cost money, and you don't even know if you're going to be a successful business. Yeah, right. And you're you're putting down thousand. And so that was a huge motivator for me. Yeah. It's like, all right, I have money in this. We're making this work. Yeah, right. So at this, that was a good, a really good motivator for me. So sometimes I guess just take that step and kind of force yourself to be committed. Right. Yep. So that. I mean, for me, the finance, the financial part of it is what probably helped push me to like, all right, I got to make this worth it. I got thousands of dollars on this. Can't just let it go to waste. And you'll hear it a lot in sales where, you know, a sales manager will tell you, go get a new car, Mm -hmm. go get some more debt because it's going to push you to drive, to do more. (laughs) And and that's real. Like there are people that will tell you to do that because they feel psychology wise yep. it does something to you where you know you got to provide yeah. you know you have there's more on your plate you know you got to do more so um you know that's a sink or swim approach though yeah so. it is yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> let's go ahead and move into our next part of our episode what we call is round table so jordan this is where you're able to ask Zacchaeus and i questions that you've i mean you said you're a longtime follower of the podcast and whatnot yeah. so i'm assuming you probably have quite a few questions or a few questions at least to ask yeah. both of us. So why don't you go ahead? So I kind of knew that I was going to be on the podcast a while ago. So some of my questions have been taken. So I will. Mm, that's fair. So they've been answered. But um, one thing I was thinking about is we've talked about some of the things that helped me take that step into overstepping poverty. What is the one thing that has helped? And obviously, we're still on this journey. Like, not, right. oh, we yeah. haven't. It's not like we've reached the pinnacle. None this is of the us. beginning. We're, we're all in the beginning. Yep. We're in the journey. So yeah. what has helped you? Like, what is the one thing, person, reason that has helped you overstep poverty? I'd probably say, actually, I most definitely can say the one driving factor for me is when I was younger, there was a lot of things that I didn't have that I wanted. And I'd hang out with my friends and whatnot and like their families and I'd see all this stuff that they were providing them. Yeah. Honestly, that made me hungry. And I was, I suffered in silence Same. just seeing this stuff. And there were times like my best friends when I was younger, like they would make fun of me and like, they didn't know I was like hurting seeing all this stuff that they had, but that gave me just Dude, motivation. I'm, I know I'm with you. Like, yep. like every year kids would get new basketball shoes. I didn't get new basketball shoes every year. Yep. So yep. like little things like that, it's like, 
kids don't even think about it. No, not you're at all. Like, dude, I I'm embarrassed in my shoes right now. Like this mm-hmm. whole practice, I'm thinking about my basketball <laughs> shoes. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yep. I, I'm with you, man. So that's real. I would say for me, there's a lot of people that have definitely helped me overstep poverty. I would say. Um, at times it's been Daquan at times it's been my wife, you know, my family, stuff like that. But just for me, kind of a driving force, you know, I didn't grow up rough. I didn't grow up bad. I had both parents in the house until I was about to graduate high school. But, you know, I am a product of a teen pregnancy. My father was, he did sell drugs at one point and stuff like that. So those were some of the things that I was seeing as I was growing up. But at the same time, when you're exposed to those things, they don't always seem out of the ordinary. From that, you know, I did learn a lot. My mom, she works so hard. She always has. Yeah. She she had to find a way. Had me when she was 17 years old, still in high school. Got her own apartment before she even graduated, all those things. Yeah. And then my dad, you know, he comes from a, a Indian family, Sistan Wapton Oyate. They went through poverty. They lived in physical poverty, you know, and there were things that... He went through that I was exposed to just by living with him and growing up with him that, you know, it gives you kind of an edge. It gives you an edge and just knowing where they come from. I have a mentality that each generation should get better. Yeah. I think that's really is overstepping poverty because the things we're doing now, they're not necessarily all for us. Right. Right. Like you're building this business. Yeah. Not for you. No. Man. Right. Like I'm there's, there's my son the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, when you have that type of mindset and you're you're doing things to make sure that, you know, your son doesn't just get everything in the world that he wants, but that he has a strong foundation and people to fall back on and and just learn from, you know, it's big. So, yeah, yeah that's what I would say. Yep. Building an empire, you know, what I'm saying? Right. like you build this empire and you continue to pass it down. It's yeah. that generational wealth. I didn't mention that in the end, like, but you mentioned it. You said that it's not all for us. Those things that I were I wasn't getting and whatnot i don't want it now just for me i want it for like yeah. my wife my family and right. whatnot and so yeah. this is where this is how it goes this is where where it all started yeah that and hunger you want to be while you do that for your kids you want to be intentional with making sure that hey they know how lucky they are because mm-hmm. you don't want them to, all of a sudden it's the same cycle where your kids are getting new basketball shoes every year yep. and they don't understand why the other kid doesn't have basketball you know right. yep so it, I don't exactly know. I'm. I mean, I'm a new parent, but trying to. We got to try to figure out how to teach our kids. You know where we came from too. So. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. that I do a have a question. second. I do have a second yeah, question. Absolutely. Who you got, Jordan or LeBron? Hmm. I'm going LeBron. Easy. I'm going LeBron. Me. You're going LeBron. I'm going LeBron. Oh no way. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't. I mean. Are you geez. LeBron? No. Jordan. No, but I mean, it depends what you're looking at. If you're looking at. Well, you know what? Even even career, uh, it's tough. At this point, LeBron's like, "What you gonna say now?" No, I and I agree. Other than just other plays, than the championships, right? Yeah. Like when it comes down to LeBron, I look at people want to look at a whole picture, right? If we want to look at an entire picture on who a person is, easily LeBron. Yeah, the more he plays, I agree. It is harder to to make it as clear of a debate. Mm-hmm. What I base it off of is just watching, man. You just watch some Michael Jordan games. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm telling you, you can say the competition is different. You have a lot more talent now. People are bigger. Yeah. But dude, the dude was different. He's a dog. Different. He's a dog. So I mean, I was not expecting you both to say LeBron. Yeah, that's crazy. I would say honestly, when it comes to Jordan. I think when it's somebody, the game's on the line, I want Jordan. Yeah. When it comes to my team and somebody that's going to make sure everybody's in the best position to succeed, I'm going with LeBron. You know, orchestrates everything. Yeah. So he's more of like a facilitator at the the same time. He can drop 40 on you. But Jordan, I think for me, he loses some points because when he wasn't playing and took a year off, the Bulls were still just as good. That's a good point. You know, you can't say that about any team that LeBron has ever been a part of. Yeah, they fall apart. True. They do. They do. All right, well, she's <laughs> – usually people say Jordan right away. So, yeah. But you, what do you think, though? 
What would you say? You said you would say I'm, Jordan. I'm talking prime. I can't say one-on-one, but Jordan leading a team in his prime, absolute prime. LeBron James leading a team in his absolute prime. I'm taking Jordan all day. Damn, that would Is be it, so fun. That would. I mean, and it can never happen. It's all hypothetical. Right. Everyone talks about it, but <laughs> sure can. NBA two K. The right. best Jordan <laughs> is better than the best LeBron. Damn. You could say LeBron has a better career, you know, especially playing until he's almost forty. But mm-hmm. that's yeah. a fair opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. The Quan's uh, always been a, a brawny. Oh yeah. I got his jerseys. I didn't know that. I got his I, high I school jerseys, Cleveland jerseys yeah, in my that. in my closet. I got some jerseys in my closet. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Do you have uh, any other questions for us? I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, then let's go ahead and move into our next part of our episode where we actually want you to give us and pretty much yourself, your 15, 16-year-old you, five tips, tricks, and hacks on how to overstep poverty. Yeah, so thinking about this, some of them are super practical. Like like I said, I played way too many video games. I mean, mm-hmm. and you know, I've I've been guilty of that in my 20s too. I started playing a couple years ago again and mm-hmm. slowed down now, but so man, just wasted wasted so much of my life. Like if you went on Modern Warfare 2, you know how it shows you how many days, yes. and hours. It's not it's not good. <laughs> I'm I've wasted my life playing that. So uh, stop playing so, so many video games. Just it messes you up socially. Like I was choosing video games over my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, like so I missed out on a lot of good times with friends. And yeah, you know, I mean, it probably kept me out of trouble. But overall, it just it was a waste of time. So mm-hmm. that's crazy. And then like kind of with that, it messes with you socially too. Yep. So that made me super self conscious in high school. Mm. All of a sudden, it's like I'm sitting in class and I'm anxious and just. Not knowing how to talk to people and being worried what people think all the time. So just that's another waste of energy and time, you know, Mm -hmm. missed out on opportunities. It's like, okay, I want to do this. This would be really good for me, but I'm, I'm like too nervous to go. So just stop caring what people think. Mm -hmm. No, you know, sometimes people tell you, oh, you wouldn't be good at that. You know, Mm -hmm. that, that literally means nothing. Mm -hmm. Like whatever you want to do, you seriously can do it. Just you got to push yourself and believe in yourself. Yeah, so, right. Value relationships. You know, I can honestly say now I'm, I tried to be intentional about spending time with my grandparents. You know, mm. I was really fortunate to never have any grandparents die until a few years ago. And then boom, 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 boom. Like, wow. Me and my wife's grandpas, we had four grandpas die in like a year and a half. Wow. And it was just, and my wife was pregnant at the time. So our son never got to meet any of those grandparents, you know. Uh, yeah. So just like being intentional with spending time with people is is huge. Just like with your friends. Uh, like you said, we have a friend that lives down in Omaha. And it's like, hey, if, if we want to be friends, we need to. Because, you know, we would hang out by playing Call of Duty, which we all played some Call of Duty back in the day yep. together. And uh but that can't be the only way that you spend time with each other. You know, you got to get together and hang yep. out. So prove your friendship, you know. So just valuing that. Man, at 16, I did not take my education seriously. Mm. So, you know, you grow up. People ask you as a kid, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? You hear that your entire life and you just become numb to it, you know. Yeah. Right. I never really even, never really thought about it too much because it's like, oh, I want to be an NBA player. Right. Okay. I mean, like, I'm not going to be an NBA player, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So at some point, I don't know how you, you don't want to just bombard your, like, your kids with that because then all of a sudden they're just not, they don't really care about it. Yeah. So at 16, if I could say, hey, seriously, this is the time to start focusing, figure out what you like and stop, don't waste time because your 20s go fast. I mean, we were just, we just graduated. Now all of a sudden, right. did you graduate in 2012? Yep. Yep. And now, I mean, we're 11 Damn, years. We're almost 30. <laughs> Dude, That's crazy. We're now we're, we're th- turning 30 this yeah. year, you know, or next year. So, yep. man, don't waste time. And, oh, it's so valuable. And, you know, and other people say this, everything happens for a reason. Like, I don't regret anything happening. I don't regret playing Call of Duty, all that, because I'm here today. Right. You know, I, I would want my life to be the exact same. I was going to just challenge you and say, would you, though? Would I want your life the exact same? Is there anything no. that you would change? I tell this to my wife. I would want to start the business 
right when I got out of college. Mm. I mean, I don't know how that could happen, though. I think I had to kind of go through the prison career for a while to realize, like, hey, maybe this isn't for me. Because mm -hmm. I think if I would have started that business right away, I would have always clung on to, like, hey, gosh, this is what I was meant to do. Right. I had to go through that to be like, no, that wasn't for me. So, I mean, no, I wouldn't want anything to change, but. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, and then one more, I guess, is just be bold and speak your voice. And so that goes with not caring what people think, I guess. But like with my faith, like if something that I disagree with, you know, I just sit back and it's like, all right, I don't want to offend anybody. You could change someone's mind completely just by speaking your voice because right. other people speak their voice. Mm -hmm. and it's yeah. just a voice, just like yours. Yeah. So people believe what they say. So you got to you got to get your your opinion out there and right. share what you believe. So I like that too. It goes back to what we've talked about in the past. It's about the delivery, right? Like mm -hmm. when you are in a situation where people are voicing their opinions, it depends on how you deliver it to yeah. them on how they're going to accept it. I mean, you can have very good conversation with somebody that you're on the complete opposite side of if you're being respectful and, and open to yeah. Others and opinions. It's, and, it's a huge, yours. it's a huge like rabbit hole that we could go down to, but with religion, you got to be so careful because people are very defensive about their True. faith. You know, you meet people that are fire and brimstone you're going to hell. Like that is not saving anybody. Right. You know? mm -hmm. So your, your delivery is, your delivery is huge and trying to figure out, okay, how can I relate to this person? You know, show them vulnerability. Like you guys talk about. Yeah. And say, hey, this is what I've gone through, and this is why I believe what I believe. And it's tough. I mean, because yeah. people are very set in their ways. I'm set in my ways. Right. You know, I, no. I'm not just going to take what you say just right away. You're going to have to convince me. So Right. Yeah. 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 I love it. All right. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for, I mean, yeah. you, you really... You did your thing. You did. You did. You were you were very I don't nervous. Know what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm nervous still. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate you being on Overstepping Poverty. Yes. Um, to our viewers, again, book Sioux Falls Window Cleaning and keep an eye out on the website and whatnot, as well as for inf more information. Like you said, there's going to be added services to that, so um, yeah. they could be a home to a home near you um, as well. So cleaning your windows, the gutters, maybe it's snow removal, maybe it's yeah, Christmas who lights, who knows? More so, to come. Yep, more yes. to come. Right. Well, thank you guys so much. Again, my name is Daquan Brooks. I'm here with my co-host, Zacchaeus, and I also want to say thank you. Yeah, thanks thank you guys for, so much. Guys. Appreciate it. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping Poverty. We hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought-provoking. We know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in Overstepping Poverty.